Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Former Fizz. I'm your host, Jaron May. And throughout this interview series, I interview former Orange Fizz staff writers about their time at On the Hill and SU Sports during that time. Today, I have another special guest that was at Syracuse from 2013 to 2017. Had some not-so-good football years, but kind of made up for it on the basketball court. Connor Morissette. Connor, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Connor, this is going to be a fun 20 to 25 minutes, and we're going to talk about basketball and football. But before we choose which sport we start with, my first question for you is which sport and which team, while you were at Syracuse, did you enjoy more while you were following them, both as a student and as a student journalist, basketball or football? Well, just by nature, I'm more of a football guy, and even though the team wasn't very good except for my freshman year. I really enjoyed covering football, so I would have to choose them, which might be a surprising take because basketball, as you mentioned, was much better. But with the Fizz and focusing so much on recruiting, it was cool to see the guys who we would interview on National Signing Day, see if they could play as time went on. I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to those guys. Uh, So football was always my favorite sport to cover. And as a senior, getting to do play-by-play for some of the games at WAER was one of my favorite experiences, even though I probably have a better basketball play-by-play story. But uh, I would have to choose football, even though I think in my last two years, they only combined to have eight wins. <laughs> yep, they did. That they did. Uh, but let's let's go to that team, the football side of things first. And you talk about recruiting, and you talk about enjoying that with the Fizz. Um, so let's let's dive deep into that. Who were some of the big recruits that you remember Syracuse getting and maybe you interviewed for the Fizz while you were a student at SU? Well, this will tell you the state of the team. One of the guys you just got drafted, I remember interviewing, and the kicker-punter Sterling Hoffrichter, <laughs> I remember he committed to Scott Schaefer's team, and they were really excited about him. And he ended up, after Riley Dixon got drafted, filling in a punter and even kicking every now and then. And then, of course, he gets drafted by the Falcons this past NFL draft. So I remember talking with him a couple times. That was very funny. Another guy I remember interviewing, Kendall Coleman, who I believe was from Michigan. And he wasn't drafted, but he was an undrafted free agent this past year. We never spoke to Eric Dungy. He was always an enigma because he – well, this is an excuse, I guess, but he uh, came from Oregon and he never answered our phone call. So I wish I could <laughs> say that I talked to him because he was probably the most influential football player of the, my time there. And he was a guy who you just loved to root for because he could would take these vicious hits and for the most part, it bounced right back up and keep on fighting. He, and he, he just was a true football player, really, really tough kid. So I loved uh, covering him, even though... When I was there, the team wasn't great. But his senior year, when they went 10-3, and that was uh, great to see. And I was, even though I was out of school, I was still watching. And that was probably the best Syracuse football season in, in a while. I don't want to speak to the history of it because I 
I know they were good in the nineties and stuff. Maybe in the earlier two thousands they had some good years, too, but ten and three was ten and three, so I was happy for him. And uh, yeah, we spoke to most of the guys, but when you ask uh, who do I remember speaking to and, and who would people know, probably the kicker slash punter Sterling Hoffrichter, who just got drafted, is probably the top of the the, the name that comes to the top of the list. Well, Sterling Hoffrichter, a great choice, and I think maybe Dungey was using the time zone difference maybe as an excuse yeah. to not answer your calls. Um, but let's talk about maybe Sterling Hoffrichter or whoever might come to mind when I ask you this question. What was the single most impressive performance by an individual player on the football field that you remember while you were at SU? Well, I remember Amba Adetawo, who was a grad transfer from Maryland, who I'm surprised didn't stick in the NFL. He was the best receiver that I ever saw at Syracuse. He was great, mm-hmm. and uh, his individual performances, I, I thought, in, in terms of just focusing in on an individual, his were always great. And I remember I did a Florida State game where he caught a touchdown, a Hail Mary, right at the end of the half. And uh, let me pull up his stats here. So. That day, he caught seven passes for only 63 yards and a touchdown, but he kind of was the guy who was like, okay, Syracuse isn't very good. Eric Dungey might turn into something, but this Amba Hedetawo guy is incredible, and he was the reason that I think any fans would go to games that year because my senior year they lost at Clemson 54 nothing, and then the next week they lost by two scores to NC State. It, that was a rough end of the year four losses in a row but he was a guy who we talked about how I mean I'm sure you saw the Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa thing the Cardinals weren't yep. very good that year Mark McGuire ended up hitting all those home runs but the place was so so packed every time and not that the dome was always packed when I was a senior for football but I think Honda Edetalo kind of filled that Mark McGuire role in a sense that the team wasn't very good but you wanted to come out and watch this guy play because he was a difference maker and he was a guy who was was really great. He he kind of I remember dominated early in the year when they played Colgate and uh, Connecticut. So I really enjoyed watching him play. And I remember he's signed I think with the Giants for a little bit, but I believe he's out of the NFL now. But he was a guy who everyone thought, okay, he uh, might turn into something in the NFL because he had great speed. He was a decently sized guy and. He was an incredible receiver. He had great hands. It was fun to, to cover him. He was a bright spot. Well, otherwise, it was a pretty down year. So Amba Edetawu was the bright spot, maybe the dark spot, you could say, with Scott Schaefer and just his entire run with Syracuse over those three years. Um, didn't really have a standout season when you look at the numbers. So while you were a student and you were covering the team for Fizz, um, what were your opinions of Scott Schaefer in that moment? And then when he got booted, what was your opinion? Were you happy? Were you sad? What what was going through your mind? It's funny you bring that up because in 2015, all the student talk radio shows in the fall, it was all about should Schaefer keep his job or not. And that year they actually started 3-0, and but they squeaked by a not-so-good Central Michigan team in overtime, and it wasn't a very good game. Dungey got knocked out. They ended up using three quarterbacks, but they somehow won. And at the end, even though it wasn't pretty, Schaefer said, this is the first time we're 3-0 in three decades. And I remember everyone was like, 
yeah, but you just played like crap. <laughs> Everyone was really frustrated that even though they were three and zero, they didn't they didn't feel three and zero. And then the next week they actually ended up playing LSU pretty close. But uh, after that, the wheels kind of came off. And at USF, they got blown out. And then I remember after that USF game, I was still in the camp of maybe give them another year. But then the next week they go down to Virginia. They were up by three scores two or three scores, I might be exaggerating, and then they lost in triple overtime, 44 to 38, and I did the double overtime, which is the show on WAER, the post game after that one, and I remember calling for his head. That was kind of my last straw <laughs> with him. It was at Virginia, another ACC bottom feeder, and Syracuse was always terrible on the road every year that I was there, and uh, this year was no different, but it was a road game. They were they were in the driver's seat, had a chance to win, and I don't remember exactly, but they might have gone for two or something, or they might have gone for a really close fourth and goal, and they got stuffed, and they lost the game, and I had had it, because you know, even though it was relatively early in his tenure, if you have a good tenure, you're supposed to go more than three years, <laughs> uh, that was kind of the last straw, because it showed that even though he's so inexperienced as a head coach, if you can't beat a bottom feeder in the ACC and you should have, you know, you were in the driver's seat. You should have won that game. Losing that game I thought was unforgivable. So that's kind of where I turned on them. And then from there, uh, they didn't win again until the last game of the season, which everyone knew that was his last game because he had already been fired and everyone got together. They beat BC, who was another bad team, but at least they won. So he got sent off on a high note. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, we talked about how at the beginning of my spiel he was 3-0, so the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, they lost. So oh. <laughs> they were three and zero, and he said, well, "It's great to be three and zero." And then they went zero and eight the next eight. So that was funny. Okay, so it seems like you were okay with Schaefer being getting the boots. Um, but when you were covering him, whether it's for WAER or for the Fizz. How was he as a person in the press conferences, just speaking with him? Um, how was he as maybe outside of the whole football schematic, football brain, just as a human being, who was Scott Schaefer to you? He's definitely a guy who you'd want to have a beer with, but the problem was they lost so much that he would get really mad. <laughs> and some of those post-game press conferences weren't fun because he was just livid. And I remember, let me see, it might have been in 2014, I think Clemson came to the Dome, and, okay, no, they, that was a, a different year, but Clemson came to the Dome, one of his, uh, might have been 2015, and he thought Dabo Sweeney was running up the score on him, and he, he yelled, uh, F you, Dabo, <laughs> across the field at him. So <laughs> that was a, a very, very ugly moment in, in, for, for Syracuse football because, uh the guy just got too angry and they weren't very good. And uh, when it, like he's a d defensive guy and the defenses for the most part were okay. It was the offense that was bad. It, I don't want to call him out or anything, but he, he is a good lower level collegiate defensive coordinator. And if you have a, a great recruiter, he, he could be as a head coach. You could be a pretty good defensive coordinator if, if you can get 10 guys, but he wasn't a great recruiter by himself. His, his staff wasn't great at that, and he, he was all right defensively, but he was just in over his head a little bit because the offense was bad, and he would just get so, so angry. So he was a lot of times very red in the face, and, and he was a yeller, and 
he's great at defensive play calling, and you let him do that, great. But when he took on more responsibility, I don't think uh, that really helped him very much. So as a guy, I, I think if you were to talk to him now at Middle Tennessee State and see where they're at, I think he would be a great guy to hang out with and talk to. That program is doing all right for their standards, and he does a nice job with that defense. But back then, I think the pressure and, and the fact that they were losing so much got to him, and he got really mad. And uh, it, it wasn't very pretty. But what was funny is Middle Tennessee State actually came back and played Syracuse in uh, my last year as a senior, and they beat him with, with Dino Babers, and uh, he ended up smoking a cigar <laughs> in the carrier dump. That was funny. Or That might not have been my senior year, but I, I remember, uh, you know, the dates all jumbled together. But Middle Tennessee <laughs> State, after Scott Schaefer was fired, came to the dome, beat Syracuse, and Scott Schaefer lit up a cigar in the press box. Wow. So, okay. I mean, uh, hey, yeah, you you get your wins where where you can, I guess. Um, but last question for the football side of things, and then we'll switch over to basketball here on Former Fizz with Connor Morissette. Uh, Connor, you were before you got to Syracuse. Let's go way back when you were still in high school and you were an incoming freshman. You were watching Syracuse as Big East Syracuse. And this goes for both football and basketball. You were probably really excited about seeing Syracuse in the Big East. But then they make the announcement, all right, we're going to switch over to the ACC. What was it like hearing about that change, and what were your opinions on it? I really liked Big East basketball growing up, but I was never a Syracuse fan until I got in. So I didn't really care that they were leaving um, until that moment. But even then, I didn't really have any nostalgia in the Syracuse sense. It, I had it more in a Big East sense that you, you wouldn't get those classic mm-hmm. games on, on Big Monday on ESPN anymore. But I will say this, as a new Syracuse fan and, and starting with them in the ACC my freshman year, the, the first time they, they played Duke at the Carrier Dome, that was one of the best game, college basketball games I've ever been to in my whole life. Syracuse ended up winning. I think it went into overtime. Jeremy Grant, who's now in the NBA, had a great game that night. And that was before, like I was a freshman, that was before I was really involved in student media. So I went as a fan, and my friend's dad actually got tickets, so I didn't have to wait in a crazy line. So I just got in and went in with them, and uh, that was an incredible atmosphere, an incredible game. And that was an ACC game. And the rivalry with Duke, even though, I hesitate to call it a rivalry a little bit, but those games were always great in my time at Syracuse. So they did switch, and it might have been a newer, newer rivalry to a lot of people. But to me, it was okay that it was new because I was new. So I loved when they played Duke. All those games were awesome. From Beheim throwing off his jacket, which I believe was my freshman year as well. <laughs> and then John Gillen hitting that buzzer beater, I think my senior year against them. I remember after that game, Everyone who covered that game, we were all in the same class, and we had a big test the next day, so we pulled an all-nighter from there and studied, but we were just so pumped that they won that game, so it didn't really matter. That made me feel okay with, with the change, and I guess just to kind of sum it up, like I already said, yeah, I, I missed the Big East. It would have been great if the Big East stayed around, but times were changing, and I'm glad Syracuse jumped on that because if you're in the Big East for football right now, you're not looking too hot, <laughs> and uh, the rivalries from the ACC were, were new, but I think they're they're very good uh, looking at that Duke rivalry in basketball. And uh, okay. it, it might be new, but, but it was new to me too, so I was okay with it. 
Okay. All right, so let's switch over to the basketball side of things, and you already started to touch on some of it. But you went through... Uh, at least in terms of football versus basketball, basketball was king when you were at Syracuse from 2013 to 2017. Uh, two of your four years, they made the tournament. One of them, they were a 10 seed and they went pretty far. One of them, they were a three seed and they didn't go too far. But of those four rosters, Syracuse basketball put together while you were a student on the Hill, which team do you think was best? The best team was definitely my freshman year. They started 20-something and 0, and then the wheels kind of fell off. But they had Tyler Ennis, C.J. Fair. That Just those two guys were, were so great. And then that was working Christmas by Musa Kitt was on that team. It was a great defensive big man. That that team was, was really, really good with Tyler Ennis running the show. And, and C.J. Fair was the preseason ACC player of the year. He had a better junior year than he did a senior year, but still having him – was great but Tyler Ennis made that team so so good and even though they didn't make it that far in the tournament I think they were clearly the best it's funny I had four years like you mentioned two were, were great all things considered except for the end of that freshman year and that two were awful my, my senior year they were always on the bubble and, <laughs> and, and then that sophomore year they got hit with those sanctions so they didn't even compete in the ACC tournament and uh, the regular season ended and they were done so that was definitely the worst year but uh I think the freshman year team was definitely the best. And Tyler Ennis was so good. And I know he didn't make it in the NBA, but the fact that he, like, he wasn't projected at the beginning of the year to go to the NBA, and then he had such a good year that he had no other choice. And I think people kind of look back. He's one of those guys who a lot of people say, oh, he should have gone back to school. But I think those people are mistaken because he had, he was so, so good. He was so clutch that – and just so calm, cool, collected that he he really did have no other choice. And it's a shame, like we see with so many guys, that they didn't make it. But uh, I think he was probably the, the best player in my time there. I know working Christmas had a huge sophomore year, but or my sophomore year, his senior year, but they didn't really do anything in the postseason because they were ineligible. So maybe my statement isn't totally fair, but, but I just remember watching him. And when he had the ball, he, he just proved time in and time out that good things would happen and he, he was always in control and he could always win you a game, which is why I, I love that team, even though they did kind of fail on the lights got brightest, but that's all right. All right. So you, you mentioned a lot of talented guys and talented names right there. Let's put it all together. And I've asked this question to all of my uh, guests so far on former Fizz. If you could put together a starting five with players that played when just you were on campus, just those four years, um, any of the players during those four years, who would be in your starting five and why? Sure. Just off the top of my head, I, I talked so much about NFC would for sure be the point guard for me. At the two, it would be the choice between Tyus Battle and Malachi Richardson, and I'd probably go with Malachi Richardson just because I think he was a better shooter. So I would go him. Uh, Tyler Lydon could play the three, the four, or the five, three if they were going big. So let's go big. I'd probably put him at the three, or maybe I put here. Let me switch it. I'll put CJ Fair at the three, and I'll put. Well, that now I'm leaving out Jeremy Grant. Maybe he'd be my <laughs> first guy. But I think I'd have to go because I want shooting. So I, I'd go with Fair at the three, Tyler Lydon at the four, and then Raheem Christmas at the five because. 
with the exception of Christmas, everyone can shoot on that team. And Jeremy Grant has turned into a shooter in the NBA, but he was a pure athletic in the paint guy. And, and you know, those guys are really important. But I think the way we see basketball evolving, you, you want more shooting. And uh, I, I know no one has really stuck in the NBA besides Grant, so it's funny that he's the one who's left out. But I think in terms of a college team, that would be my five. So we'd have, just to, to recap, Annis at the one, Malachi Richardson at the two, C.J. Fair at the three, Tyler Lydon at the four, and then Rakeem Christmas at the five. And I think that team would almost certainly be a national title contender at the beginning of the year. That team would be really, really good. Yeah, that, Jeremy Grant off the bench, Tyus Battle off the bench. That is I'm a, having a that, flashback just thinking about that. That's, I mean, that's a very talented team right there and very long and could absolutely work the zone to perfection. Yeah. Um, but so that's a great starting five and we'll, we'll compare that to the other starting fives that have been uh, created on former Fizz in a little bit. But I want to go back to some memory in your head. It's, it's somewhere in there. When was the loudest you heard the dome for a basketball game? The Duke games were the loudest, for sure. My, my freshman year, I won't lie to you, I'd had a couple beers, but I remember that game was <laughs> really, really loud. That was the first time they'd played in the league, and Syracuse won, and I called my parents after, and I was like, you know, you hate to look back and be a fanboy because you, you want to be this journalist that covers the team, but there was no stopping my fandom after that game, and I called my parents and said, wow, you know, thank you for sending me here. That was incredible. That That's louder and better than a lot of Celtics games I've been to. <laughs> Thank you. So that was that was great. Uh, and then it, it was really loud when John Gillen hit that buzzer beater. Mm -hmm. The Georgetown games are always loud, but the thing is that's during winter break, so students aren't there. But I stayed my junior year, and I went to that game as a fan. And even though they lost, it was really loud that day just because of the, the rivalry. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head because – the Dome, we know, gets packed anyway, but it gets really packed when those big teams come in. Right. My freshman year, Syracuse played Indiana, and Indiana was pretty good. I remember it getting pretty loud for that game. But I think to answer the question, that the, the first Duke game was the loudest I've ever heard it. And then my senior year, that, that Duke game was really loud, too, especially with John Gillen hitting the shot and Carl Ravitch having the call. That was uh, The house came down, everyone rushed the court. So that, that was pretty loud, too. I mean, things don't change because even while I'm a student right now, uh, it's usually the Duke game that is the loudest a couple years later. So before we wrap up here on Former Fizz, Connor, I have one last question for you. And it's open season if you have any stories for this. Do you have any classic Jim Beheim stories from when you were a student at Syracuse? Hmm. Well, I, Jim Beheim, let me see. I, I, I mean, I, just, I remember being afraid to ask him a question. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I did eventually, but at first you're just kind of like, all right, I'm just going to sit here and see how these press conferences go. Um, probably, I, I probably do if, if I had, a, if I could think a little more, but here, I'll, I'll just in the honor of telling you a story. I, my senior year, this isn't a Bayheim story, but this is my favorite Syracuse basketball story slash memory. Syracuse went down to Clemson, and 
Tyus Battle was really sick. He had flu-like symptoms. He didn't really play very well. And Syracuse was going back and forth with Clemson the whole game. And at the end, it ended up being tied. And Syracuse has the ball. And what happens next is the Clemson coach, his name is Brad Brownell. He tries to take a timeout, and then an assistant coach reminds him, Brad, you don't have any timeouts. So Syracuse inbounds the ball under their own basket, dribbles it up. Tyler Lydon catches the pass at half court, and he throws it to Tyus Battle in the corner. And Tyus Battle, I think these were his only points of the game. He drives it up, hits the, the buzzer beater three. And even though it was at Clemson and it was very far away from the dome, I was doing play-by-play that night, and I got the second half. And so to call that buzzer beater was probably my favorite Syracuse memory of all time, and it's a crappy game from a crappy season that really didn't turn into anything. But I really, really will always look back fondly on that game and that shot because it's every play-by-play guy's dream to call a, a buzzer-beating shot, and my voice went probably eight octaves too high, and I was starting like that, <laughs> and that was funny. But uh, that, that's my, my favorite Syracuse memory. And then after two time Jim Beheim, everyone asked him and he said, Yeah, Tyus was sick, but I hope he hit that shot. He he was so wide open and you know, I got a little chuckle out of the room. But uh yeah, Clemson wasn't very good that year. Syracuse wasn't either. Didn't end up making the tournament, lost in the NIT oldness, another game I called. Um a frustrating year, but there were definitely some highs, the Duke game, that game. And uh it was nice to, to be a part of that even though they ended up not really doing much that season. That's probably my favorite memory. Awesome. Uh, great stories, great answers here on Former Fizz from Connor Morissette. And we're going to wrap it up. Connor, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. I haven't looked back on those times in a long time, so that was very fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you want to find our previous and our future episodes of Former Fizz, go out to SoundCloud and search Orange Fizz or you can find all of our articles on orangefizz.net. But for now, I'm Jaron May wrapping it up for another edition of Former Fizz. We'll see you back here next time.